Welcome to episode, I guess this is going to be 27, because 26 will be part two of what went live yesterday. So we're on 27, and uh, it's been a bit of a technical <laughs> hurdle just to get all of us on and recording and actually together. So you're going to hear a lot of background noises because we're not all using our quality mics. So apologize in advance if you hear any extraneous background noise, but we are finally here. Uh, Garrett, you were late getting home. Why don't you tell us about that? All right. Oh, boy. It was a nightmare. So um, I... Went out on a ride. So it's finals week at school. So uh, just finished chemistry and psychology. And so I needed a motorcycle ride. So I fired up my TX750. And mind you, I just finished doing fork seals in it. I put some new tires on it, throttle cables, a bunch of other stuff. So I was excited to ride it. Haven't ridden it since I did all that stuff. So I took it for a cruise with my friend. And hit some traffic in the area they had a road completely shut down and it's warm today it's like 87 degrees or something like that and i'm on this old air-cooled bike they had the road closed for construction well they were letting a pilot car go by i didn't know how long it would take but i figured it probably wouldn't be that long well it was that long it took like 35 minutes of sitting in the heat (laughs) with my riding jacket on my black helmet pants boots on an air-cooled bike which i left running because i figured it wouldn't be long and it's it has electric start but it doesn't work very well so i just kickstart it and i didn't want to re-kickstart it oh boy i was just sitting there boiling but i made it through that to get pulled over by a cop immediately afterwards because it's an old bike and you manually have to turn the headlight on the headlight was not on And so he pulled me over for that. Luckily, he was really cool. He just told me to flip it on and let me get on my way. But, yeah, just crazy. Crazy, crazy. So, but I'm here in one piece. Well, we're going to talk today about uh, riding, which may seem kind of elementary, but we've talked so much lately about the bikes themselves, about when they were made and what color they were and and whether they're reliable or not, we haven't really talked much about the actual activity of riding. So that's going to be our subject today. But first, we have some old business. So I briefly heard, Eric, you mentioning something about a question about a Zephyr 750. Yeah, I came in late, but weird that you bring that up because of... And go ahead and ask a question, and then I'll tell you about why that's... Quite incidental. And I'd like to point out, this proves that we actually have a listener. Someone, we have two. That's true. <laughs> we actually have at least two because this is from, uh, from a different person than the other message we got uh, that's last true. week. That's true. Well, I don't know. He he may secretly be Ninja Abortion and, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a, this is like the uh, Bruce Wayne to his Batman, you know? Who knows? Yeah. So this, is, this is from Rob Krupa, and he asked this on our Facebook page. Uh, howdy, false neutral crew. I'm about to pick up a Kawasaki Zephyr 750 as a project bike that's been sitting for 10 years. 
I'd love to hear any of y'all's thoughts and experiences with the Zephyr. Thanks for the great podcast. So, uh, remember I was telling you about my friend who got the XJ 550 Maxim for a first bike. Yes. He didn't pay a lot of money for it. Well, I came across a 92 Zephyr 750 for 1200 bucks, which was probably in about the same condition, <clears throat> maybe even a little bit better. Uh, and so through some kind of horse trading, he ended up offering the Maxim to another friend of mine that was looking for a bike, and he bought the Zephyr 750. Um, I think the Zephyr 750 is a much better bike than the Maxim for a few reasons. One, I think it looks a lot better. Uh, it's much more modern. It, the Maxim is pretty underpowered. The Zephyr is not incredibly overpowered by any means. I think it has like 72 horsepower from the factory. Um, but they look really cool. And I think they're pretty widely known to be reliable if they have been maintained. And I think that they have used that engine in a number of different bikes and uh, just altered it over a number of different years. But I think the same base engine has been used for quite a bit of time. Is that right, Pete? Yeah, the 650 got overboard into the 750 and the same thing that was in the 750 LTD and the 750E standard. Uh, there were some differences in like the the GPZ 750 and they strengthened a whole bunch of stuff when they made the turbo. So I don't know how many things would actually interchange with the earlier 750s and 650s. Yeah. But it's for all intents and purposes, the same architecture. Yeah. So, well, parts uh, are widely available for it. And um, when I was just out on my ride before this call, um, that same friend who has very, very limited motorcycle experience, he was riding that new Zephyr 750, and he absolutely loved it. So, As uh, I was trying to remember what this looked like, so I pulled it up in a, in a Google search. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah it's red. sort of a... Not yeah, and it's with it's a, like not... a tri-spoke wheel. It's got dual front brakes, um, yep. twin reservoir shocks on the rear. Yep, uh, you can get four into one exhaust, really cheap for them. Um, it looks so much better than oil than the seven fifty Nighthawk of that period. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's it somehow nicely splits the difference between like so, a standard bike and a cruiser bike. If you like, want to, it's, see... it's got elements of both, but. Um, you know, but but it pulls it off nicely. And it, what's funny is what I came up with is a, a review of this. This guy wrote in September 27, 2011 on luminosity or something like that. Um, where's his conclusion? Highly recommended. I haven't seen any of these on the road in more than, geez, 10 or 12 years now. Funny. <laughs> um, Kawasaki never sold these in great numbers because the American public never fell in love with the naked sport bike or even the retro bike concept to the level that cruisers or sport bikes have enjoyed. Uh, which is really too bad since some of the world's best motorcycles fall in this naked sport bike category, such as the Bandit 400, Nighthawk 750, yeah, well, we just that CB1, absolutely, CB1000, yes, Kawasaki ZXR, blah, blah, blah. If I could find another 92 Zephyr 750, even in fair condition, I'd jump on it, restore it, and just keep it till my bones are too old to swing over <laughs> the seat. The 750 is by far the best-looking, most enjoyable motorcycle I've ever owned, Without reservation, that's saying something since I've owned more than 100 motorcycles in my lifetime so far. Wow. Yeah, they're really comfortable. Um, the power is good. They're not excessively heavy, um, and they break really well. And if you need any inspiration in how to make it look amazing, 
Uh, if you just Ooh. Google Zephyr Ooh. 750, there is a cafe bike that somebody built. I don't know who, but we should probably give them credit for it. It is one of the most amazing looking motorcycles I've ever seen. And the really cool thing about this is it has the factory tank on it because a factory tank has really, really amazing shape to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas most modified bikes where people like put a bunch of uh, creativity into them, they almost always have some sort of aftermarket um, fiberglass tank. The 750 Zephyr has a really sexy tank from the factory. I, I would complain about the forks being slid up in the triple clamps and the yellow headlight. Those are pretty hipsterish, but really it's not bad. I, uh, right. I probably would have left the airbox on it, but, uh, overall, considering how much I hate the vast majority of customized kebabs that are around now yeah. uh that's uh that's not yeah bad. with with a different headlight and then i think you're right they could have done it much better with the forks um and actually shortened swap. them rather than say move swap, them up. On, swap up swap on some upside down uh cxr forks on there yeah right and then also they could have left it a twin front disc but uh, yeah. i mean well and i don't that being yeah. said it looks really good and I don't understand why pure street bikes get uh, dual sport tires nowadays. All the customs that's well, like, oh, I like the a, aggressive tread. It's, it's kind like, of blending flat track into. Yep. Yeah, but flat the tracks street. have wide bars on them. They're not. Well, it's a it's a amalgamation. It's a little bit of a mix. I and get it. it's you know just weird the nice thing though about modern tires is even these like semi off road enduro tire they will grip plenty fine on the street. They're, they're not probably, a terrible probably better than the tires that originally came on this. Oh, that is a fact. Far. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, get a seven, uh, Zephyr seven fifty um, if it is fixable i mean depending on how long it's been sitting uh you won't regret it it's a great bike speaking of deals uh i just saw today as of like two days ago in maine somebody is selling an srx6 that looks at least from the the craigslist photo like it's immaculate it's got 4500 miles on it for three grand and the srx6 is one of those bucket list bikes that I absolutely love. And I think I would actually love to have and ride, you know, there's a lot of bikes that I think, Oh, that'd be cool to own, but I wouldn't necessarily enjoy riding them. SRX six, something that small, narrow, uh, the, the, the ergonomics, it just, it just is something I, I have been craving. And this one is so nice and it's in Maine. And I'm almost tempted to call haulbikes.com and find out how much you, well, I, I looked it up. It would be like $285 to have it shipped to me. And I'm thinking, oh, dealing long distance on a Craigslist is just a recipe to get screwed. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pursue it, but for that price, you could buy a brand new Honda <laughs> that you were looking at recently. But it wouldn't be this. So why in why why an SRX six? What appeals to you? Uh, I love just the minimalism of it. Yeah. Uh, they're really comfortable to sit. I I have I rode one once when they were in the dealership 
from the service department around to the front door is as far right. as I've ever ridden one. But it's got the minimal, just minimal dash with the speedo and the one little gauge off to the side. And, uh, it's, they're clip-ons, but they're clip-ons that are kind of placed so you can enjoy them as a, yeah. as a mortal human. Right. Uh, I love the looks of it. I just think they're just the right weight, just the right size. Just, they remind me a lot of my GB500 that was one of my very favorite bikes to ride. And, uh, uh, GB500s are, you know, five, six, eight grand now if they're yeah. in the comparable condition. So there's no way I'm ever going to get one of those. So, it's, it, yeah, these, it just um, hurts to be me right now. It truly is a physically painful thing to think about this. I have actually never seen one of these in person. I don't know how many of them they made, but I've never seen one. But they do look cool. Let's, let's address our subject for this week, which is riding. What makes it a hassle? What makes it safe? What makes it dangerous? What makes it enjoyable? Regardless of what bike you're on, there is something about getting out and just riding that I, I think sometimes I don't get out on two wheels. Well, now I'm, I'm a really rusty motorcyclist. I ride my spider. I haven't spent any appreciable time on two wheels. Oh boy, since 2013, 2013, fall of 2013 was the last time I really took a long ride on a motorcycle. So my skills are atrophying <laughs> and, uh, I'm I'm not too far behind you. I uh I fall of 2014 for me and uh just running up and down the street on the uh on the XS400 earlier this week uh when I almost got it running right again. Going 30 miles an hour, I'm like, "Holy crap, I'm going fast." <laughs> <laughs> now granted, I'm like, you know, I'm not in flip-flops or anything like that, but tennis shoes and my hat turned backwards just making sure it runs, but I I completely understand it's like Oh my God, this feels alien. It's a sad thing that I ride two wheels a lot more than you guys. And I still only ride probably 20 hours a season. Maybe I really don't ride that much. And the majority of that's off road. When I do ride on the street, um, it's usually, so I don't, I don't commute. I don't ride to work. I don't ride to school. I don't really ride to get from point A to point B. The only time I ride is if I really am just kind of feeling like going on a cruise or I want to uh, kill some time and then I'll ride with no destination in mind. Um, but, you know, honestly, I really don't ride as much as I should, but I still uh, ride more than you guys. <laughs> you know, I used to I live about 12 and a half miles from work and uh we have a workout room with showers and stuff at work so i used to bicycle to work i'd take my bicycle and i'd commute and i thought hey i'm getting energy uh you know i'm saving money i'm getting fit um this is this is just overall a great thing to do and i enjoyed it i had so many close calls and 
I thought a lot of them were just people not paying attention. And it doesn't hurt that uh, a grandfather and granddaughter were actually struck and killed uh, on my commute. So I have to ride past the bicycles that hang in the tree as a kind of a memorial to them. They Somebody, two people... Uh, there, there's two bicycles painted white that hang in the tree by the side of the road where they were killed. And the guy who killed them kind of admitted he was a distracted driver and still wasn't charged. So there's a lot of people wow. in Kansas City who were really upset about that. No kidding. But uh, one day I was riding home from work and I had this really long hill to go up at one point. I was about halfway up the hill and I had a mirror on my helmet and I could see a pickup truck off in the, the left-hand lane. And he swooped over close enough to me that his, he had the big West Coast mirrors on his, I don't know, must have been a mid seventies Chevy pickup actually passed over my hand. Wow. He, and as he did it, he laid on the horn, which just scared me to death. And then he swooped back over onto the road and continued on. And I thought, that was deliberate. That guy could have killed me or at least sent me to the hospital. And I said, no more. I'm not going to ride my bicycle anymore. And the next day I took my bicycle, my motorcycle to work and darn near got T-boned at a four-way stop with somebody else that uh, decided they didn't need to stop at the four-way stop. They were slowing down and I went to go. And they rolled, they slowed down to maybe 15 miles an hour and then just gunned it right behind my bike. And I don't know if that was deliberate or whether they were just not paying attention or didn't see me or what. Well, but I thought I'm done. For me, riding is a little, it's a little bit of a hassle to get all geared up. And so, especially in the summertime when you've got a jacket, you've got a helmet, and then I ride in pants and I wear boots, which is, it's difficult on a motorcycle to carry casual clothes and I'm not going to ride in casual clothes because I want to be safe. And so if ever I'm going to point B, if, if I can't bring my casual stuff with me, then I don't want to ride a motorcycle. And then furthermore, it's nice and easy to just fire up a car, you know, with your windows up, your AC on, and just drive to where you need to go. And so that's why I really don't ride unless I am just going on a cruise or with friends or something like that. But I try to do it as much as I can. Uh, the last trip that I was telling you guys about where we rode up to the mountain, I need to do more type of riding like that because I feel like I just go on a 30-minute drive around my area. But I something that I want to get into is more kind of adventurous on-road riding where I go to a destination and maybe it's a day away or two days or whatever that might be. But typically my riding is just off-road and on those trips, I'll actually get out of town and go ride for a weekend or perhaps a week and I'll do a bunch of off-road riding, but I don't get on-road riding enough, I think. I, um, I, I don't know when it was I decided, but what, well, especially in the old area where I used to live in, I just assumed that no one would see me and that everyone was, I wouldn't say out to kill me, but close enough to. And it's funny because when I, once I adopted that attitude and made sure I kept good distance from people, it 
seemed to they, like it was easier to breathe while you were you were writing. Um, and I think some of the commuting thing also depends on where you are. Um, I, I, when I've taken trips out to like San Francisco, and, and I know from some friends who are out in LA, kind of the same way, because like lane splitting is so common, it's not such a big deal. And also, um, having a motorcycle saves you so much time there because you can, not only can you use lane split, but you can use the HOV lanes. Um, I, I really think it's a, it's a thing where for, for me here, probably Pete, for you, because there's six months out of the year at least where you don't see motorcycles, people just assume there are no motorcycles. Or in California, they see them all the time. So maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe, I don't know if like the geographical area makes much of a difference because I honestly don't run into too many issues riding my motorcycle around town with drivers not seeing me. Obviously, it's happened a few times but I've never had an experience like you described, Pete. Like, I, I think that I would be very affected if somebody's mirror passed over my hand. Uh, that would be tough to take. And that would probably be enough for me to quit riding uh, as a commute. But I've really never experienced anything quite like that. Um, just the occasional, like, riding through an intersection. And then if you're really observant, you'll typically be able to see that car that's going to turn out because they can't see you or they're looking past you or whatever else. Um, I am a fan of the headlight modulators and I know some people are, some people aren't. It's kind of a love it or hate it thing. They can be distracting to drivers. And I do get that some people complain that you can't see a turn signal when the headlights modulating, but it's something that I've thought about uh, putting on my motorcycle because if you can be seen uh, I, I get it's distracting, but it means that somebody can see you, and and that's kind of the the point of it. I don't know how you guys feel about them. I, I think anything you can do to make yourself more visible is good. Yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons that now I I commute on the spider maybe realistically once every six weeks, two months. I'll just take it out just to just mainly to get it out and exercise it. I'm with you that if I'm going to go out and ride, I want to take the day off and ride or go on a trip that's going to be a, a four or five day trip. That's how we rack up most of the miles on our spiders is getting out of town, which we're fortunate in Kansas City. All I have to do is get 70 miles west of here and I've got open roads forever. Right. They're not the most exciting roads in the world, but they're also not the most dangerous. So, yeah. uh, but I, I uh, what the heck were we saying that I was, I was addressing? Oh, the, modula, the headlight modulator. Oh, the headlight modulator. I think anything you can do to make yourself more visible is good. And the spiders have dual lights, real wide spaced, uh, running lights on the fenders over the wheels. And my wife's RT has just gigantic tail lights all over the back of it that mm -hmm. really help. But you still have to assume that no one sees you, and if they did see you, they would aim directly for you because they're right. sadistic and want to kill you. Which, yeah. that can sometimes take the fun out of riding. I like to ride when there's not traffic around. Oh, absolutely. Because being in that hyper-defensive state isn't always very fun, which is why I, I stopped commuting so much, because it's just not fun. I would take the extra time to suit up, and I would enjoy it, except for that 
I've got to watch every minute that someone doesn't cream me. Not always the most fun. It's never fun. Riding in the city is, it sucks, frankly. Uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be in the city. When I lived in, uh, I spent two years up in Marquette, Michigan, which is in the Upper Peninsula. I remember I had my, uh, I rode my RZ 500 up there and, um, it was great because there's not a lot of people, not a lot of traffic and some great roads up there. So it was awesome to get out of work and go for a ride. But I remember one night after work at night, it was, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock and I'm going up this particular hill to go out to this one road that I enjoyed riding. And I, there was someone, sorry, I'm using my hands. So everyone, everyone on the radio, uh, everyone on the podcast can see what I'm doing with my hands here. Um, but there was someone looking to pull out from a side road and I'm going up the hill, going, you're going to pull out on me. You're going to pull out on me. And I'm like, and I know I flipped my brights on and she still pulled out on me and I had to lay the bike down and you know, the bike skidded off and my, uh, this is why you always wear a full face helmet kids. Uh, my face or the, the, the winch, the face shield slammed into her tire. Um, yeah. so I wasn't going that fast, but you know, you're still going. I was on the brakes and, and ended up laying it, tucking the front and laying it down, but I was still probably going 15 or 20 miles an hour when I did it. Uh, cause I just couldn't pull it down fast enough. And, uh, yeah, but it's whatever. Yeah. And I, and I was wearing bright clothing. Like my jacket was white, you know, white, white with color in it. So it wasn't like I was wearing all black and, uh, you know, invisible or something. So yeah, a headlight modulator could have been enough just to get that person's attention. Oh yeah. She's like, Oh, I didn't see you. I didn't see you. I'm like, I was really, (laughs) I was making eye contact with you. I was staring right at you. Yeah. You know, know, uh, I saw a really great video of somebody in England made and it was basically saying, if you are going down the road and you see a vehicle that's liable to violate your right of way, they're stopped and they're going to pull out of a side street or a driveway or something. And you look at them. If you do not see them changing position in relationship to the background behind them, in other words, there's a tree or a fence or something, and you don't see them markedly moving away from something behind them, that means when they look at you, they don't see you moving across their field of view. Mm -hmm. You're moving directly at them at a small enough angle that it's, you're a dot. You are not something in motion. They just, they're coming toward them. Either they don't see you or they're going to misjudge your rate of speed. And so this guy said, if you see that, Hey, this guy is static in relationship or close to it with the background in the distance behind him, immediately start weaving your bike over your whole lane. Just do as dramatic a weave as you can to get his attention because that is usually when people don't see you is when you are a close enough angle to directly at them that you are not passing across their field of view in relationship to the background behind you. And I thought that was a really good practical tip to try and stay safe, but you got to think about that stuff all the time. You can't relax. Yeah. And I actually have never even thought about that, but it makes sense. Uh, you know, especially if you're, heading directly at somebody if they're at an intersection that the first car and you're coming 
they, especially if you're on a narrow bike, they like you, like you said, you're kind of a dot and they can't see the movement. Or if they do see you, it's def- difficult to judge the speed on that supermoto bike that I just built. It is extremely narrow. And even on most motorcycles, at least the turn signals are off to the sides and they have a little bit of width to them. But the widest part of my entire supermoto, not including the handlebars, it might only be 12 inches across and the, the turn signals are really narrow. But it does have a dedicated uh, marker light. So if your headlight's not on, the marker light is always on. And it, I put an LED one in that is really, really bright. But I thought about just wiring in like a flasher relay to it that I can turn off and on. So the marker light's just always flashing as I'm riding. Uh, that way, at least it has some amount of visibility to the front of it. Because I worry about that bike, especially. It's just so narrow that it would be hard for anybody to see me riding on it. It's uh, Smidzy. Sorry, mate, I didn't see you. Uh, go to YouTube and Google uh, Smidzy, and there is a video. There's a bunch of videos about that. That must be British slang because I hadn't heard it before. But uh, there is a, uh, I can't find it now. But there's a YouTube video on how to avoid the Smidzy crash. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try to put that if I can find the one I saw. I'll try to put it in the link when I put it on Hooniverse. But if not. Just uh, avoiding Smidzy in YouTube and see if that helps you. Yeah, well, it seems like the most pleasurable, the most fun roads to ride on are roads that have very few stops and also very few crosses in them. And those motorcycle or those roads are a little bit tough to find. And I don't think that freeways really count as that because I really don't have a lot of fun riding on a freeway. So country roads or like the 55 mile an hour roads where there just aren't a lot of cross streets, at least in in this. I don't know if this is true, but it seems like in your area, Pete, there's probably if you're out on a ride, you many places in Kansas, you could probably see forever and see cross streets and see cars that are coming. I don't know if that's true or not, but in my area, there's a lot of elevation gain and loss, and you can't really see cross streets or crests of hills. One of my favorite places to ride in the world is uh, Kansas Road uh, Route 177. Kansas Route 177. And uh, it goes from south of the Flint Hills up through these very... Kevin Cosner dances with wolves esque rolling hills that have just these spectacular vistas and it there's not a tree so you cannot see anything but horizon however you look and it's just spectacularly gorgeous I I think you have to be from the Midwest to appreciate it the Flint yeah. Hills is one of those things you need to grow up around and that's where my wife's family's farmstead is so i've grown up at least all my adult life going out there and it's just a beautiful part of the country and you don't have traffic you don't have side roads you just never ever have any problem i will say i was in northern kansas last year a, a little over a year ago when we did the first smack dab ride 
we left our hotel in Smith Center, Kansas, and we were going to Lebanon, Kansas, and we were on one of those roads where you can see forever. Two-lane road, right at dawn, we're driving down, and there's one car, a single car on this two-lane road, goes the other way, at the speed limit, in his lane, coming toward us, and at the last minute, all of a sudden, jerks towards our lane, overcorrects, goes off the road, and then overcorrects the other way, turns sideways, and slides at me in my lane. Wow. (laughs) This is where I was really, really glad I was on a spider that had anti-lock brakes and three wheels because I just stomped. Actually, I accelerated to try to get past him. I thought, this isn't going to work. He's coming over too fast. Stomped on the brakes, went off into the ditch, which I had probably just enough room to get all but one tire off of the the pavement before there was a culvert there. So I went off the road into the gravel because there were no curbs. It was just a rural blacktop road. Went off, and he went in between me and my wife, who was probably 250 yards behind me, in between the two of us, off into the culvert and... There, there was, if I had been on a motorcycle, could I have done what I did as quickly as I did? Because I kept thinking, my vehicle is not going to let me down. I'm not going to exceed the envelope here. I can clomp, clomp on the brakes and go off into the rough. Because there was tall grass right next to the pavement. And I went off, got around the guy. He went between me. Behind me and in front of my wife, I got back on the pavement. We had communicators. I was like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, it didn't hit me. It didn't hit me either. Okay, we're okay. That was the lowest risk environment you could possibly imagine. <laughs> At 530 in the morning on a two-lane road that is arrow straight on a flat road in the middle of Kansas in one of the least populated places in the United States, and I still had somebody almost take me out. Pete, you're a magnet. <laughs> How is that even possible? It was one of the most shocking moments in my life. Did you stop? Did you figure out like why the person I'm decided guess, you I'm were the and somebody fell asleep, fell asleep at the wheel. That's what yeah. I'm thinking happened because it was jerk one way, jerk the other. Holy crap, what's going on? And by that time, he was out of control. And That's insane. Locked up the brakes and just slid sideways and kind of, you know, at a, at a crabbed at a three quarter angle right into our lane. Uh, we did not stop because we were already about f- three minutes away from where everybody was waiting for me to sign in to get going at dawn for the ride. So yeah. I said, you know what? This guy almost killed me. I don't owe him anything. Right. He didn't get off the road f- going fast enough that I think he's dead in there. There were, Somebody came out, by the time we left, somebody said, yeah, somebody else saw him. They called 911. The cops are already there. We saw them as we were pulling up. I was like, okay, cool. So, wow. but Sarah was like, do we stop? I'm like, I'm not going to have a whole bunch of people, you know, ruin this ride because somebody else tried to kill me. That doesn't make him my responsibility. Right. And I, I was going to ask, <clears throat> in regards to your spider, do you notice that the size of it reduces uh, people having a tendency to pull out in front of you oh, versus ab- like a motorcycle. Absolutely. I would assume so, but is it like a night and day difference? Do people mm-hmm. just see that because of its size? Night and day. I think some of it is having two halogen bulbs 
yeah. and having some pretty, they're just marker lights, but they are LED, fairly bright marker lights on the fenders yeah. over the front wheel. And yeah. I think that I'm sure it so looks like a car at night. And I think that's why at night people give it a, a wider berth. When it's coming at you during the day, it just, there's just more of it to see. Yeah. I think it's probably as wide as my MG, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it, it, I notice a huge difference in how much room people give you on the highway as well. People yeah. do not cut in right in front of you like they do on a motorcycle where, you know, they'll just kind of half heartedly get out of your lane and then swoop right back in if they're passing you. Or if you're passing them, they don't feel any responsibility to stay in their lane when you're passing them. The spiders, I think people just give it a wider berth. They they have a little bit more respect for it on the road. Yeah. It also helps that just because it's somewhat of an unusual shape or a shape you're not used to seeing very often, that you or your eye is kind of drawn to it unintentionally. Yeah. So are you just about... Ready to get that XS four hundred on the road and start yeah, cruising into I, the uh, sunset? I uh I got it. I got the carbs apart. I think I've got those reasonably sorted out. Um, but it's not firing on the right cylinder all the time and so I think I gotta pull the points out and get some sandpaper out and, and clean up the points a little bit and put them back in and see if that, that takes care of it. If, if and if that's the case, then yeah, I just it should be ready to go at that point. Yeah. Well, other than needing new tires, but <laughs> yeah, I'm getting pretty close to the point of just throwing in the towel on old bikes and buying something newer. And I really want to now's not the right time. But so that TX 750 of mine, I have been slowly fixing every little thing that could possibly be fixed on it. And finally, I was at that point where, uh, you know, when I went on the ride to the mountains, the throttle cables broke. I got the throttle cable sorted. And while I was doing that, I took the opportunity to find a new electric starter for it because the original one wasn't working. You can't buy a replacement electric starter. You have to find one that came off a bike that's still working. So I did, and I put new points in it. So I got the electric start fixed, uh, new throttle cables, put new fork seals in it fixed every little oil leak, put new tires on it. I mean, I put swing arm bushings, everything. So I felt like it was 100% done, doesn't need to work on it anymore. I know where this and is going. <laughs> and then I took it for this ride, the first ride since doing all this work. And I, the last time I rode it, it ran really good. Uh, low end was perfect, but it had kind of a mid-range hesitation. I made a needle change on it. And I'm happy to report the mid-range hesitation went away, completely cured. But now it just doesn't run quite as good on the low end, so now I need to do some more carb tuning. The electric start, it, I, the battery is just too weak to crank that big slug of a motor over. And so I thought about getting a lithium battery for it that has much, much higher cranking amps. But I don't really know if I want to deal with that because you can't discharge lithium batteries. If they discharge too much, they're dead. If you try to recharge them, they explode. And so I just, I'm at that point where I either want to put it on a battery tender every night when you get home. And even, even when I do that, it like, it just sucks so much charge that I, if it doesn't start up like instantly, then the battery is just too low 
for it. And it's not an old battery by any means. It's just a big motor to turn over. And so I'm at the point where I get a lot of satisfaction out of riding it, but I'm just so tired of working on it. I think that in the last year, I've probably put 60 hours of labor into it. And I think that I've ridden it maybe a total of six or seven hours. And that's a pretty bad return, if you ask me. And so I like riding it, and I still will, but I need something modern. It's kind of like when you have a classic car. It can't be your only car. you got to have something newer where everything just works, and you don't have to deal with it all the time. You know, so. And that's the thing is, right now, so many people in motorcycling are buying motorcycles or, you know, doing a build. I'm doing a build. Right. Uh, yeah. For the appearance of the motorcycle and the ownership experience that is totally unrelated from enjoying the ride. I told, I told a friend of mine who, he's a, he's a gearhead, but he's a bit of a snob, I guess. I will just, come out and say <laughs> I, I think he's going to listen to the podcast and I was trying to be more discreet, but he's a snob. And he was saying that I was talking about the CTX. I was like, a CTX, and he's like, oh, please. That's like the Toyota Corolla of motorcycles. It's like, why would you, why would you get something that bland? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Riding is fun. Yeah. Riding anything is a, is it an enjoyable experience, regardless of what bike you're on. I like riding motorcycles and having something that I don't need to worry about fixing or doing maintenance on and i can just take out and ride and park it and maybe put it yeah, on a absolutely. battery tender um i was watching uh i was watching what's that show with J- jay leno's garage yeah oh sorry I, like i lost you there for a second and then i think i interrupted you no no i stopped oh, so at any rate Jay Leno's Garage. I was I was watching Jay Leno's Garage the other day, and they had uh, Roland Sands in his shop, right? And uh, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers pulls in on this fully dressed bagger Harley. And Jay Leno was like, I didn't really picture you as a bagger. And he's like, I've never motor- met a motorcycle I didn't like. And so, yeah, you could be on the Corolla of motorcycles, but it's still a motorcycle, and you can still have lots of fun on it. You know, I think a lot of people see the classic bikes and they're, it looks like a good deal. You can buy one. It's a thousand bucks for the 72 CB 750 and CB 750s are awesome. But by the time, like me, you put in 60 hours of fixing it to ride it six hours and it still doesn't work perfectly. It takes so much away from the experience of riding. It's a 40-year-old motorcycle with 40 years of wear and tear, even if it just sat. There's still right. wear and tear from neglect. Right. Uh, well, it's yeah. what you were saying about and what I was sharing the other week about parts availability. Yeah. <laughs> I was There was somebody that uh, was posted on the Spider Lovers forum. Well, you know, they by law, they have to make all the parts available for 10 years. I'm like, well, they don't. No, they that, don't. <laughs> that, that is a total urban legend. Right. They can discontinue any part at any time. While the bike's in production, they can discontinue yeah. parts. The only responsibility they really have is to provide something that's not going to fall apart when you ride it. Well, there's and, some... and then they have the safety recall. 
But otherwise, they don't really have to do anything for you. Right. There are some responsibilities when you discontinue something as far as warranty. You can't discontinue a bike and say, we're we're going to invalidate all your warranties that are in effect just because we discontinued the bike. But as far as parts, no. In fact, the the Pontiac Can-Am in 1976, the mold for the rear spoiler broke. And they said, well, we're not going to pay to fix it. So they just stopped producing it. They had... The spoiler was an unavailable part while they were still sitting in the depot getting shipped to dealers and you couldn't get the part, you know. So, right. And now anything that's a one-year, two-year model that's older there's, than 10 years, you're going to have problems with something. Being there's a, there's an interesting thread going on or interesting in the discussion area on um, motorcycle.com because – one of the questions they asked a question like should you buy a buell and it was just it was kind of interesting so <laughs> but along the same lines so like can you trust that you're going to be able like so like the old old ones where it's harley motors and you know harley source sure that's probably you're okay anything after he broke away from the motor company you, you know you, you you buy your ticket you take your chances oh and, yeah and by the way as of last night uh can-am announced that they no longer are selling the v-twin spiders the rotax 998 is going away the big problem is it's not euro 4 legal so they can't sell it in europe so it is out of production and i because i don't think anybody else was still using it except uh can-am and they have so many of the last two years their v-twins are sitting in warehouses begging for someone to buy them so it's it's gone bye bye, mm. which is a shame because neat neat motor. Yes, it is. Powered Aprilia's for a long time. Yeah, I still want to get a Futura. That <laughs> not cool as bike. not as much as I want an SRX six though. So yeah, there are a lot of bikes that I think I would like to own. It's it's what I tell people about my old BSA five hundred single. I am in love with the idea of owning it. But I know if I actually had it, I would be sick of it immediately. Yeah, I've kind of fallen in out of love with the idea of owning my TX750. And I think that I'm just about ready to buy something more modern go get a CTX. that just starts every time. A CTX? Yeah, go get that it is CTX probably. <laughs> I really, 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 really want an FJ09 right now. But yeah, I can see that. Just um, too much. Too much money. I, I feel that I feel the same way about my my Mustang, uh, mostly because I haven't really been able to drive it much in the last year and a half to two years, and I have this niggling problem that I cannot chase down. It's I won't go into details why, but it's it's essentially it's electrical and deals with the ignition. Um, and I am just so ready to have it fixed so I can sell it and get it out of here because I'm just kind of done with it. I'm sure if it, once it's fixed, I'll drive it once or twice and go, oh, yeah, this is great. No, let's get it out of here. And yeah. I already know what I want to buy differently, but it's just like – but it is along the same lines of it'll be 85% as fun. It'll be 100% more almost daily drivable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I uh, – last – on Monday night, it was – I had a bunch of stuff going on. It was a real hectic week. And I had not edited down the podcast and gotten all the pictures together. And the, getting all the pictures is tough because I try to stick with things that are manufacturer's press photos. So I'm not violating some 
individual's copyright. Every once in a while, if I can't find something, I'll stick in something and say, you know, courtesy of or found at. So I'll do that. And it was like two in the morning and I still hadn't gotten And I was like, you know what? This is going to be a two-parter. It was over an hour. It was, you know, an hour and 18 minutes long anyway. So I thought that's a little long for one episode. So I'm going to split it. But really it was because I was just done. I was like, I, I have to be done with this right now. So I'm going to chop this in two pieces so I can go to bed. I kind of feel that way about my 125 at times. It's like, can I just be done? And unfortunately, that's not something I can just cut it, cut my losses and say I'm done with. So because I'm not taking it out and riding it, I'm not having a good time. And uh, so anyways, well, moral of of that story, right? Buy a bike that you can enjoy Buy the Corolla, for God's sakes, of motorcycles and just ride it. (laughs) If you're if you are buying motorcycles just to look at them or show them off, you are missing one of the big things is go out take a ride and have fun. That's right. And I think with that, we'll wrap up for this week and uh, not have to split this into two pieces. Hallelujah. Gentlemen, it's always fun talking with you. Yeah. Uh, We'll stay in touch during the week and come up with a subject for next week. We have a couple of really exciting guests lined up with hopefully in the next couple weeks. In the meantime, Eric, do your plug. Or uh, Garrett, do your plug. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Twitter. Find us at Twitter at the false neutral. And Facebook.com, the false neutral. And at Hooniverse. Don't forget that. Send us a question, comment. Yeah, I was whatever going you to, want. I was gonna say, if you like our split episodes where we split it in order to keep them we try to keep them between forty to fifty minutes. Sometimes they go over an hour. If you'd rather have us not speak, let us know. Tell us what you like and what you don't like about what we do, because as you can tell, we do respond to questions that when people talk to us. And also over on iTunes, if you can give us a a rating on that and comment uh, what you like or don't like about the show, that helps us get more visibility over on iTunes as well. Absolutely. Our, Our rating on iTunes has gone up and down, given a very, very constant one, we're hosted by Shout Engine, a plug for Chris's uh, friend of Hooniverse. Chris runs that. And uh, our listenership week to week has really become very level. We have a lot of, I think, the same listeners. And despite that, our iTunes rating in the, motors, in the automotive category swings up and down. Sometimes we're above 50, sometimes we're 120, and it makes no sense at all. So, rate and review over there. That helps us out. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye-bye.